This episode of the TCIA podcast is brought to you by the brand new TCI Magazine website, the digital supplement to the most widely read periodical in the tree care industry. No matter where you are in the world, you can have the top-notch content, timely industry updates, and cutting-edge advertisers you have come to expect from TCI Magazine for the past 30 years, all in the palm of your hand. The fully responsive TCI Magazine website breaks down years of content into neatly organized categories, specific to certain aspects of tree care businesses, making it easy to navigate and find articles on exactly what you're looking for. You can discuss articles in real time through the new commenting feature, as well as share articles with friends, family, and colleagues through vastly improved social sharing. We've also been listening to you, our readers, over the years, and to make the content more accessible than ever, we have included article translations for Spanish, French, German, Portuguese, and Tagalog. If English isn't your primary language, you can still enjoy the experience of reading TCI Magazine. So head over to tcimag.tcia.org to check out the brand new TCI Magazine website, the official website of the most widely read periodical in the tree care industry. That's tcimag.tcia.org. If I talk like I talk naturally, you're going to be like cutting out some swear words. The tree care industry has stories and knowledge just waiting to be explored. We'll have a variety of expert guests and innovators from all corners of the industry sharing their stories and extensive knowledge on our show. On this episode of the TCIA podcast, we sit down with Noboyer, Jim Houston, and Stephanie Drago and talk about small companies, large companies, and how to choose which one is right for you. Noel is a CTSP and the owner of All About Trees, and Jim is a vice president and general manager at the Davy Tree Expert Company. Stephanie is the member experience manager at TCIA, and additionally, both Noel and Jim both serve on TCIA's board of directors. So shifting gears, you guys can pull your board member hats back off. I want to I wanna go over hiring of new people. Because as we hear all the time, workforce development's been a huge issue for everybody involved. And you guys have two very different um, stories about where you made it to where you are now. And students, potential, potentially interested parties and stuff all have a bunch of choices. Not Maybe not a bunch. I guess it's depending on area. But choices of where they can go to work and to get education kind of how does somebody know like what kind of company is going to be best for them if they've never actually worked in the industry before? Well, yeah, I'll jump on this, Jim, yeah. if you want me to, because I'd kind of Please. like, I've kind of prepared for this and jotted down some notes, but here's the thing, like everybody, whether you're working in Davy or whether you're working at all about trees, everybody wants to feel like you're part of something bigger and, and nobody wants to feel like you're trapped in your own truck or in your own office or in your own company. Like that's, that's one of the things that TCI Expo does. And whenever you see those guys standing there at the ribbon cutting and whenever they walk in that door, that's, I remember the first time I went to Expo and it was like a hell of a long time ago. I've been doing this for 25 years and my boss took me a couple decades ago and I had no idea that I was part of something so big and until I got there and I see like, you know, thousands of people there and I walk into that showroom and I'm like, Oh my God, these people are making this stuff for us. And so like, whether you're a 
in a small company or a large company, I think if you're trying to figure out which one fits you better, you know, first off, you want to feel like you're part of something bigger. And so you, you should really probably maybe have a look at both. And if you, if you go to a, a small company because you feel like you like the closer culture or like you feel like you'd like the diversity of working in a smaller company or, you know, if you'd rather go the other way and you'd rather have more structure and, and a more defined ladder in front of you and all that stuff. But the thing is, everyone is hiring right now. So if you get to some place and you get your foot in the door and you get to feeling out, you know, where your place is in that company. And if you don't feel like you belong there, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a great idea to go bounce job to job, but it wouldn't be very hard for you to go find another job at a, at a different size or, or a company of different um, structure or whatever. And, and truthfully, I don't think if, I mean, if you're a student and you're trying to figure out where you're going to land, size of company probably would be one of the last things you consider as well as, you know, maybe, maybe even salary is low. You, you should really go someplace where you're going to be engaged, where somebody's going to pull you in, whether you're going to like really learn on the fly and what is the culture of that place that you're going, you know, are, as you look around the room, are the other employees happy? Are they working safe? And I think that a lot of people will have just an intuition or a feeling whenever they get into a, a new company for the first time with a new job. Is this a place where, where positivity rules or is this a negative place where I'm going to be drowning in poison all the time? I think that a lot of people can feel that way in a company of any size. You, you can either be as happy as you've ever wanted to be, or you could be as miserable as you've ever wanted to be. And it probably has less to do with company size than, than the culture of the branch you're working in. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, the neat thing about our industry, regardless of the, the size of your company, uh, you know, you could be in an office uh, or you could be in an operation or working for a company that has 50, 70, 100 employees, which would be pretty big. Ultimately, there's a, a level of intimacy with that crew that you're on, you know, three to five, two to five people. And, uh, you know, the number one desire of any human being is to be a part of, not apart from. And so if there is that culture where they feel like they belong, that they're gaining knowledge, that they are getting feedback on their performance, you know, I think this is what every, whether it be a kid just entering into the industry now or uh, anyone, you know, from, from a senior person within any company, you just want, you just want some feedback. You know, I, my son just started his sophomore year in college and this summer he, he was looking for a job and I said, you know, you could go work at one of our offices, the office that's down the street. And, you know, he came in, he didn't know anybody. He knew a little bit about tree care and Davey, obviously, just because I've spent almost 30 years here, but he really enjoyed it because of the people that he was working with, you know, and, um, and he was learning and, um, you know, he was getting up in some trees and you know, I don't know if he's going to make it his career that's on him. But he was really engaged and, you know, his, his foreman had a lot to do with that uh, because of the camaraderie of being, you know, on a, on a job site. So I think a lot of it just has to do with the culture um, of that particular business. I don't think size really has a large bearing on that. Now, when you look more from a career perspective, you know, uh, it, it may. But I think from a day-to-day -day engagement piece, it just it comes, comes down to are you learning and getting feedback on what you're doing? It really engages human beings. That's good. And another thought that I had while we're talking through this is, you know, there used to be a time where people decided on how they did their work. It, it was a decision of how do you want to trade your time for money? 
And, and I actually say that in my personal life sometimes, you know, just think about it, you're trading your time for money. How do you wanna spend that time? And I think as the employer now, people be, need to be really cognizant that people are now not just looking to trade time for money. And Noel, you said exactly, they wanna be part of something bigger. If they wanna do good things with good people, definitely, hopefully they're looking at the safety aspects, Jim, that was a very important point. You know, hopefully they're doing things safely, but no longer are people looking for work just to trade time for money. They, they want that, they want that culture. So I think that's one important tip that companies who are hiring and might be experiencing a lot of turnover, um, just put a little bit of eyes and ears on your culture and, and investing in your employees and laying out that training and, and Jim, maybe perhaps, you know, laying out that career path for them that, that may help with uh, the retention. I think you're spot on. I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're spot on with that. You know, it's, it's really no different than when any of us came into the workforce. I mean, you, you hear a lot of people bash the age groups that are entering the workforce now. And I, and I truly believe that they're not asking for anything different than any, anyone my age in his 50s that was asking for it when we entered the workforce. They just, they want some feedback. They want to know where they're going to be and, and they want a quality of life. Uh, I think this generation is a little bit more forthright with, with leading with that. And I think a lot of it has to do is they've grown up with a device in their hand that they could communicate with Mark Cuban on a daily basis, that you can change the world, you know, that you can make impact to Noel's point. I, every human wants that. And so I think they can be a little bit more selective because they really want to find an avenue where they're going to make a difference and not just march into a factory aimlessly uh, to grind out on an assembly line day after day for the next 35, 40 years of their life. And so people who enter the tree care industry, I think they're even more in tune with that, that they really like what they're doing. They have a purpose around uh, a pretty big responsibility, in my opinion, of being the, the keeper of the trees. And, and so I think they just want to be part of and not apart from and make, make an impact. I, I also agree with what Steph said. And, and one thing that I think is probably a side note to that, if we're talking about, you know, if we're talking about hiring and, and our labor shortage and all this stuff right now, I mean, I, Jim, I, I'd probably maybe disagree with you a little bit, right, about the, the younger generation today. They want mostly the same things, but they, I do think that, like, the young people today place more value on on having some time off work. You know, like, whenever I, whenever I started working at the tree company 25 years ago, Hell, I, I never took any time off. I just worked and worked and worked. And, and as much overtime as they would let me take, I took it. And my guys, you know, I mean, we work out, we get overtime every single week. You know, I, we definitely get our hours in. But whenever they have an opportunity to come in on Saturday and have like a whole big pile of overtime, it's not that they don't need the money, but it's that they value having their personal time more than seems like my generation did. And to go on the sideline of that, because we have so many openings right now in our industry, what it's really doing, and, and I got to say too, that like, even though the larger companies employ, you know, lots of people, thousands and thousands of, of people, the, the vast majority of people in arboriculture are working at smaller companies. I, I don't know the exact stats, but something like 70% of the people in the tree care industry are working at a company that's uh, doing under a million a year. So, so most of agriculture is smaller companies. And so what this means to us as, as smaller companies is if we want to grab the good people that are out there looking for jobs in agriculture, it's not good enough to just say, hey, I'm going to offer you 
more money than than Joe down the block. You got to do better than that. It has actually become competitive, even in my own town of here, to like find good people. And so if you're the small business guy that doesn't give a shit about training or safety or insurance or, or giving skills or morals or ethics or any of that stuff, then you're going to be the shit show guy that is constantly turning over all your employees and, and probably the guy who's got people in the hospital all the time versus somebody who can like literally show to prospects that they're an owner who's involved and is into training and has passion and, and a genuine concern for people and trees. and that's that's where people are going to want to gravitate to. They don't want to they don't want to work for the shit show. They want to go work for someplace where they can, you know, grow and be influential. Create a better future. Yeah. So I think those are all all really important points. To it's not so much you guys. It's more of the people coming in that are really making the driving decisions behind this. You can only just provide them the resources that you know from what you have in the bank already. So kind of related to this but was there a a point you know when you were younger in your career when you had first started in your career that it really clicked that like there was a specific moment in time where you were like this is it this is what I want to do I can tell you the exact moment for me <laughs> go ahead no it, it was in uh mine was in uh, June of 1998 I'd been uh working for a couple of years at this first job that I took and and went to the Midwest Tree Climbing Championship and that was the day that I, I got my first win at the at the TCC and realized I was I was moving on to the International Tree Climbing Championship in England that year, and that was when I was like, "Holy shit! This this is what I thought was just a you know a job dragon brush has just now turned into international travel for me just this quick." And and June of 1998 is exactly when I knew I was going to be doing this for a long time. That's so cool. Yeah, that is that's a great story. Yeah, I I would say. I don't know if I, I, I can't pinpoint the exact date like that. That's impressive. But I will say it was after I came to Davie, I was working, you know, as a foreman and the level of professionalism had been raised to a whole new, a new, whole new height and being exposed to of what the organization was providing as well as knowledge and customers and then, and the satisfaction. And, and I remember dragging brush from a backyard out to the, to the front yard and you know and you have this walk back to the backyard and you're, you're looking up and looking at the trees that you pruned and it, and I remember really knowing that I was making a difference and I've been doing it long enough at this period of time that as I drove around the communities that I worked in I had a, a pretty good book of trees book of business of trees that I had pruned and influenced and there was a sense of satisfaction there that was really priceless went beyond money went beyond any career aspirations it was just a sense of satisfaction that I was making an impact um, on, on the communities and from an environmental standpoint on the benefits of the green spaces in these communities. And, and I knew then and there that this was going to be a lifelong journey for me. I like that. That's super cool. Yeah. Thank you guys for both sharing those stories and to be cognizant of the time that I booked out for it. I just want to make sure that we touched everything that we we should have, which we did for my list. Is there anything that you guys want to add in or talk about or discuss before we, we wrap this up? No, it's been great. You guys have done a great job. Yeah, this has been fun. I feel like it's a water cooler chat. I enjoyed it a lot. I think maybe I had one point here that I was going to bring up because, you know, even on the TCIA board, like part of the selection process for who's going to be representing on the board is, are you working? And the theme of this whole 
podcast has been, you know, small company, large company, you know, what, like, what are you, what are you seeing in the large company? What are you seeing in the small company? And, and what are we out there doing together? And while, well, okay. So they make decisions about who's going to be on the board of directors based on geography and size of company and on all these different things. We're trying to keep the board representative of, of what's going on out there in our industry. And, you know, while a lot of times I've, I have actually called myself like kind of the small business rep on the board because I, I feel like whenever, I mean, I have all kinds of buddies running companies, you know, my size and much, much smaller that are like, Hey man, these are, these are rules that are affecting us and how are we supposed to get this done? And you know, these big companies, they got people on the board and they, they've got literally a human resource manager and they've got a full-time mechanic and they've got a, an accountant that they've got a marketing person and here I am and I'm trying to wear all of these hats. And so while the small company and the large companies are very different in that we, you know, a lot of times a big company actually does have more specialized positions for each of those things where, where a small company guy usually has one overwhelmed person doing all of it. Uh, But we also have really a lot of the same problems. And that is, you know, every day we're out there trying to like, minimize turnover. Uh, We got to protect our reputation. We have to make a profit to keep the wheels on the bus. We're dealing with equipment that probably breaks more often than we wanted to. And, you know, taxes, communication, compliance, budgeting, all all the things that come with running a business. So even though we're coming at it from very different directions, I think that what the large companies and, and the smaller companies like mine are seeing is a lot of the same stuff. We just have to handle it differently. That's, that's really the point I wanted to make is that we're, while it feels like, you know, we're, we're living in different worlds, but really we're not. We're just having to handle it in a different way. We, we're a lot, seeing a lot of the same stuff and the same problems. And, and I, can't, I can't tell you of any tree company that I know that is laying people off. We, like, everybody is swamped. I, I know probably Jim could back it up, but I'm sure that every Davy branch is completely swamped in work. And right now we're 13 weeks backlogged and we're out there competing for the same people in the labor pool. So we have to, we have to find ways to be more competitive and getting them to come to our place. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, it's not really a new problem. You know, from the time that I'm sure Noel and myself, I mean, ever since I've been in this industry, in this business, there's been one common denominator and that's, you know, there's more work than, than there are people. Even when I was first starting a business on my own back in the day, you know, when I was moving from two people to three people, you know, was that third person going to show up that day, you know, and, and just attracting good people to the industry um, has always been the issue. I think it's, it's much more prevalent now and we have a much higher level of awareness now for many reasons. Um, but the, that struggle that, that Noel just mentioned isn't really a new one. It's not a new one, but what it's, what's happening now, instead of, you know, accepting, <laughs> you know, subpar employees is a lot of people have just moved to mechanization. And so that's why you're seeing such a a crazy turn in machines for us right now with all the grapple saws and spider lifts and mini skid steers and, you know, all this stuff. There's a lot of people that have just come to realize that the people are not going to be there. And our industry is, is moving towards closing those positions forever and using machines instead. Um, I wanted to just touch a little bit on what Noel said. I appreciate you mentioning that the board is comprised of 
companies that are small to large and across the board, across the nation rather, so that we have a pulse of what's going on in the industry nationwide. The other piece of that that I wanted to kind of touch on is, you know, you had your friends saying, hey, we're small guys, these big guys are all on the board. I just, I wanted to remind everyone that members and non-members alike, TCIA, and correct me if I'm wrong, our, our board of directors, we, we want to hear from the industry. We want to hear what you're struggling with. We want to hear your questions. Without the knowledge of what people are talking about and what their needs are and what their questions are, we, we don't really have a, a path to help solve them. Uh, so, you know, if, if you are at home thinking, how do I get in touch? You know, how, what, how do I get heard? You know, call us at TCIA. We want to hear you, our board of directors. They, they want to know what's going on in your zone. Um, we, if we don't have answers, we'd like to help create them or, or create a path to them. So definitely keep, you know, keep our number. We want to hear from you. Join us next time on the TCIA podcast as we sit down with Mark Chisholm and talk about careers in arboriculture. The TCIA podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. To learn more about the podcast or to listen to previous episodes, visit us at podcast.tcia.org. 